Hello and welcome to Ask Distract. This is the podcast where we squeeze the knowledge out of the Distract team. This week we're talking about self-governance and the idea of regulation around social media platforms. This week we're talking about regulation of social media, um, regulation of these platforms to which almost everyone uses, but to this point in the UK doesn't really have that much regulation around it. Now, the first thing to note when we look at this topic is that different countries police these platforms in different ways. So the regulations that we will see in America are different to the regulations that we see in the UK, to Germany, to China, to Russia. So each of these states has different laws and different regulations and also different consequences of breaking said regulations uh, depending on which state they are in. So if you're Facebook, you're in a position where you are abiding by certain rules in one country and other rules in another country and then other countries, scarcely any rules at all. Um, So that's the first thing that you've got to bear in mind here is that these companies are in a position where they've got lots of different legislation in lots of different locations that they're trying to abide by all of the time. Now, the, the situation that we're in with the UK is there's not a lot at the moment of regulation around these platforms. Um, These platforms themselves don't really adhere to any consequences really of doing anything in in, in this country with regards to the content that's on the site. They face a lot of um, kind of like social pressure, but with regards to um, actual hard up law at the moment, there's not really that much in place. Now that said, the government is taking steps to give Ofcom, the media regulator, uh, more powers to be able to challenge the things that Facebook, Twitter, etc., are doing online and the content that is seen online and how quickly they react to remove content that is found online that uh, that goes against certain regulations that we have here. Things like violence, terrorism, cyber bullying, child abuse, those kind of things. The emphasis is is to get those things removed as quickly as possible uh, and then also take steps or at least seemingly taking steps to stop those bits of content appearing in the first place. What can we do to stop those bits um, appearing in the first place? Well, the first kind of port of call, I think, for social media uh, regulation and law is this idea of self-governance. So we have this type of of legislation, this type of regulatory body in advertising. The ASA um, is basically a self-governance, self-regulating body. Why this is good is that um, it tends to instill a lot of inter-industry respect for these organizations. Reason being is that because they're self-regulatory, it kind of keeps government interference out. It's in these companies' interest to regulate themselves so that they don't have governments trying to regulate them for them. So that's um, one advantage of self-governance. The bad side to self-governance is that it naturally lends itself to potentially being ignored. You know, they think, well, you know, nothing's really going to happen if we break these these rules and regulations. So, you know, uh, what's going to happen about it? You can also look to when looking at how to how to police these platforms look to what other countries are doing as i said earlier 
other countries are policing these platforms in different ways and therefore we can potentially take leaves out of their books to see how we kind of go about it ourselves for example germany um germany are pretty hot on it so um, germany have introduced a organization called nets dg law came to effect at the beginning of 2018 basically applies to companies that have more than 2 million registered users in the country so facebook twitter snapchat most likely all going to fall under um under this regulatory body's uh, jurisdiction because they've got more than 2 million registered users in the country basically what they did is they um were forced to set up procedures to review complaints. Um, they publish information about hosting. They publish information about the way that companies um, with this many users deal with complaints and things like that. What's notable about this is that this company actually fined Facebook, um, I think was it five? Yeah, 1.7 million pounds last year in July, 2019. Why this is interesting is because it's a government body fining this company finding a social media platform because of its underreporting of illegal activity in the country. So that's Facebook underreporting the amounts of posts it removed, underreporting its processes behind that. Now, another part of this story is also that the platforms themselves, it's very important that we don't make these platforms out to be not bothered about this. They are bothered about this. Um, in fact, uh, I think Facebook announced that they've got 35,000 people employed to look at and review content that is potentially harmful online. Um, YouTube itself employs uh, upwards of 10,000 people monitoring and removing content. These platforms are um, putting a significant workforce of people on payroll to combat this type of content and they're taking it very seriously. Um, but I think that what that comes down to is that we've kind of got to the point now whereby there's so much of this content on these platforms. It's a real problem. So much of it on there and it's a real problem. Now, there's a crossroads, a choice for people like YouTube, people like Facebook, Twitter. They can either wait for governments to step in, start imposing big fines like Germany did. It can go a bit further, you know, where we move to more of a China model where things are heavily restricted. You know, well, for Facebook, that's you know, absolute terrible. If their platform is banned, then their revenue stream is going to go tanking. So obviously they don't want that. What do they do in the meantime? They've got to be seen to be making an effort to crack down on this themselves, unprompted. So that's why we see 35,000 people reviewing content that's potentially harmful on their site. That's why we see YouTube, upwards of 10,000 people reviewing their content. What they're also doing is these two platforms are releasing statistics, reports based on the amount of content that they're removing on an annual basis. Uh, YouTube actually said they removed 3.3 million channels last year and 517 million comments. That's a lot and lot of content that has been removed from the platform. So, you know, the idea that this stuff is um, being flagged online and not removed is false largely you know you can see that a lot of this stuff is being removed however to stop absolute regulation coming in for these platforms which is naturally what they don't want they've got to do more they've got to keep pushing in that direction because it's like an avalanche this stuff is like an avalanche and they've got to keep on digging and digging and digging and that's only going to come about with um self-governance regulation setting out guidelines uh, and also more manpower on the ground, making sure that 
when this stuff does pop up that it's quickly eliminated and taken off the platform so stuff is spreading but also putting in real change and real procedure real review process to stop this stuff being aired in the first place regulations on social media and uh, websites and platforms and all these kind of things um i think it potentially it's a little little too late um if the i think if we'd have understood the growth and like the the way that social media has expanded and how much and what people can do and like how much you can actually do on these platforms i think regulations and uh you know better care for people using social media should have been taken into action a lot sooner and a lot earlier um i think that it's so broad now and so like saturated maybe the wrong word but it's, it's just so big and so much in these platforms from you know youtube like how many how many videos get uploaded a day let alone a month uh, a year like everything and i think for youtube to fully regulate um their content so that everyone from young people uh, to you know, old generations people with mental health issues i think it's good it's a massive massive task and I, I arguably I would even go to say it's it's near enough impossible because you just cannot filter everything uh, and make sure that everyone's protected. Uh, they can definitely do a better job. Um, for example, even things on like uh, Instagram, there's a an account I follow that's actually um this this guy out in Africa and he um he has got loads and loads of followers and he um he does he's he's like an animal reserve and he always makes sure that whenever he's videoing the content where like these lions are. You know, ripping into other animals or something it sounds a bit horrific but he makes sure it's protected so that his followers if they don't want to look at that content he can he says oh it's got graphic content and click on it if you actually want to see it but if you don't you're, you're essentially protected you don't have to watch it but there's a lot of people out there that don't have that kind of protection on um i, I don't know whether that's because it's you know small followers on the account or whether instagram just maybe it's just slipped through the, the you know the, the sieve of unworth un uh bad data sorry uh, bad content but i think there just needs to be better regulations and stuff like that because they is you're just prone to it all the time you can accidentally stumble across it and it just needs to be better in general but then i don't know whether this is a little bit not wrong for me to say but you know I, i've not been in that situation luckily unfortunately enough where i've been targeted in any way on social media um but i don't know it's it's, it's difference of opinion and this this is where it's really hard for brands to kind of sometimes get it right as well because like you said like something as simple as you wouldn't even think that that made a difference to anyone like we didn't think we were stepping on anybody's toes um i think pepsi did one um with one of the not uh jen what are they called king well, one of the kardashians and they did a pepsi advert and it was meant to be a really powerful you know let's empower these people like we can stop riots and wars with a can of pepsi like the intention was good, but I think it, they really, really ended up missing the mark a bit, and they really offended a, a big target market. They offended a lot of people, and obviously, you know, there'll be people in there that are probably taking that a lot to heart in comparison to people who maybe just thought, "Well, that's a bad advert." Um. So yeah, it, it is it is hard for brands, I think, to get it right. Um, they do have to make sure that when they're when they are making content, think of every single person or every single market that is looking at this and think, well, is that going to do anything bad? I think uh, H&M did one as well. That, that I can see this, actually. I can see, understand why this was bad. But H&M put out um, 
they used um, a coloured child and put him is to sell one of the clothes was a cheeky little monkey, and you, you just can't you just can't do that. Like I, I don't know how somebody at H H&M and M missed that through photo shoots and commercial and marketing. Everyone will have seen that and they've just not put two and two together and it was an absolute uproar because they've just not thought about that target market properly and thought, actually, they're really going to take offence to this. They didn't mean it. I, I can't see H&M thinking, yeah, we're going to deliberately do this. But it, it's things like that, that that is harmful. That, that's technically harmful content. You, you've, you've, you're being racist and discriminative in not even an advert. You were selling a product. It's just on the general catalogue. And... It's just being really aware of society now. Like, if you go back 40, 50 years ago, it didn't matter if you did something like that because people in the world kind of didn't really... It, it wasn't at the forefront of people's minds, whereas now on social media, people are so aware of it. And so you will get caught out if you even accidentally, let alone deliberately, put something bad out there that damages... You know, well, whether it touches on racism, uh, sexism, anything like that, I think brands have just got to be so careful now and they should they should want to be careful as well it's a world now where you can't get away with that stuff whether you think it's right or wrong whether your opinion is x and someone else's opinion is y like you have to appreciate how everyone's feeling and make sure that the content is safe for everyone uh so i think that the media has sort of a big sway in public opinion and i think that comes across to social media as well so if the daily mail decides to write an article about a celebrity's personal life and that gets shared across social media it influences opinions you know it's well-known fact that's how it works um i think editors sort of need to be put under more scrutiny about the articles that they're asking their journalists to write Uh, i know there's a lot of sort of want and need for these stories about celebrity lives and what they're up to in their personal lives um but that sort of comes at the cost of damaging these people lives um to the point where you know they're deciding that they don't want to live anymore um and it's it's becoming a really serious thing uh, and to journalists if you can write a story about someone that's just purely for the, their own detriment and just to provide entertainment to people personally i think that's morally wrong um from a lot of different perspectives i suppose um and i, I just think the editors and the media need to be put under more scrutiny about what they're writing um who they're aiming it at and the cost of the things that they're writing as well um on the lives that they're writing about and i think that people who share stories on social media need to be a bit more careful about which stories they're sharing um a lot of these salacious stories about celebrities lives they're not entertaining to read from from my point of view um they're not doing any favors to the person who's um, being written up in the article um, and a lot of the time they're just pulling lives down they're not providing any sort of benefit to society or anything uh, they're just purely taking someone's life apart um, and in sort of the case of Caroline Flack um, I suppose a lot of people on social media made sure that she'd never be able to work again um, just from the things that they were sharing that journalists were writing um, so it, it does get quite serious quite quickly um, and I think that if we're going to be promoting sort of better mental health and better attitudes on social media um, it has to sort of stop and start with the media themselves so the Sun, the Daily Mail, all these big tabloid papers just need to stop writing things that are damaging lives. So I think this week's thrown up quite a lot of questions that um, not a lot of people have got answers to really. I think it's um, 
been going on for years um the whole i mean i think it started kind of with the hello and and heat magazine sort of phenomenon but the the bit that i get annoyed about is the hypocrisy of the press and of people commenting around the press so obviously what happened has been pretty terrible um and it keeps happening to uh, people particularly sort of involved with that show however the people that are um sort of putting out stories about these people um in particularly negative ways are the ones that are actually um coming out and saying oh isn't this terrible so you have to wonder like where the standards are and, and where the ethics actually stand so i think there's been quite a lot of um conjecture been made about um ethics within journalism but really um it is really down to the consumers so for example um if you choose to boycott a certain title um then that shows the people who uh create this sort of thing that what they're doing isn't acceptable and there's a lot to be said for the, the impact that that has the people of Liverpool for example don't buy the sun because the Hillsborough disaster the way the Hillsborough disaster was reported um, and I think a lot of people are trying to sort this grassroots movement out to sort of boycott buying you know the Daily Mail the the sun and uh, other tabloids um, I mean these these papers serve a purpose obviously but are they actually doing anything morally right at the moment? That's that's debatable. So there's been several people who you'd probably expect to be um, maybe keeping quiet at a time like this, and they're actually saying quite a lot. So the likes of Piers Morgan, um, who's actually been at the helm of some of the most deplorable things in the press, um, has been, had a lot to say. Um, you know, the, the hand-wringing and the, the sympathy stakes here. So... What I'm saying might might seem controversial, but I think people need to take a look at what they've done in the past um, rather than just kind of um, wringing the hands a bit and just pretending it's it's nothing to do with them.